Don't point to them. <laughs> now that you have that in your mind, are they on your Christmas list? Some of you may be saying, sadly they are. I drew their name this Christmas. Or sadly, they're a family member or whatever. I don't know. But in most cases, the most repulsive person in our life is not something that we're looking to do something good toward them. And yet, we find Christmas is an account of this incredible paradox that God loved us. And we, by our nature, were very, very repulsive. The Bible is full of paradox. The way that you would be exalted, he said, is to humble yourself. He said, the proud will be brought low and... The paradox, if you want to save your life, lose it. Give it away. Don't keep it for yourself. You don't save your life by keeping it for yourself. But in Christmas, we find reinforced and illustrated and modeled for us the paradox that it is more blessed to give than to receive. How much thought do you put into your giving, not just Christmas giving, but into your giving throughout the year? It's amazing how little we think about giving and how much less we even give. But one of the things that jumps out to me about the whole spirit of Christmas is that the spirit of Christmas is giving. There's many youngsters that are anxiously awaiting maybe later today or tomorrow the spirit of Christmas is receiving. And if you You can't have giving if someone doesn't receive it. So it goes together. But maturity comes to the place where we delight in giving. We delight in thinking about and investing in and giving the gift. And to see the delight hopefully, when they get the gift and it's not a major disappointment and, and um, oh, this would have fit if I hadn't grown four inches the last year, you know, or whatever it is. And, and there is great joy in that. Sometimes we minimize the gift that giving really is. But probably the most familiar verse to any of us here today is God so loved the world that He gave. 
The heart of God is giving. The spirit of Christmas is giving. It isn't God so loved the world, period. Proof that he loved us is that he gave to us. And the joy of giving is seen in his life. As you know, I was the youngest of four boys. And so often I can remember opening a present and one of my brothers say, oh, that's really neat, and grabbing it out of my hands. Look at this, it will do this and this and this and this, and wow, isn't that neat? And I'd say, I don't know, can I have it back so I can see that? So they were very helpful because honestly, I wouldn't have known some of those things could do all of those things. Today, my goal is not to take it out of your hands, but it's to show you God's giving and to turn our focus toward the heart of God and what did he give us. And we're going to touch on ten different things that he gave us in the gift of his son it's unlimited what we could look at today, but I want us to think about God's giving and and then to think about, okay, these are things I've taken for granted, forgot about. These are things that I'd like you to take and on your own get alone with God and say, God, Thank you. I praise you for this gift that you've given me. But then I want us to then stop and ask ourselves, how do I model his heart of giving? Are you known as a giving person? But let's look first of all at God's giving. We mentioned John 3.16. He so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He gave his best. This wasn't, this wasn't something extra, something left over. He gave his, the most complete sacrifice that he could give. He sent his son. And we've just sung about God in the flesh. This is, he took upon himself the form of a man, humbled himself, and became in the likeness of man. He gave his best. But turn to Romans chapter 3. Romans chapter 3. I said earlier, who is the most repulsive person in your life? Our second reminder of God's giving is that he gives to the undeserving. Notice, and, and this, this is us looking in a mirror. Romans chapter 3, verse 10. As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none who understands. There is none who seeks after God. They have all turned aside 
They have together become unprofitable. There is none who does good, no, not one. Their throat is an open tomb. With their tongues they have practiced deceit. The poison of asps is under their lips, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways, and the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Lest you think that is a description of someone far worse than you and I, that is a description of us. And this is who God sent His Son. Romans 5.8 he, he showed forth His love to us while we were yet sinners. I mean, you read that. The, their mouth was full of cursing and bitterness, full of deceit, the way of peace they had not known. There was no fear of God before their... That's us. And in the midst of all of that, totally undeserving, God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. This, this ought to humble us. It ought to, to make us bow before Him in, in contrition and, and acknowledging this is a love that you can't put an explanation on. Completely undeserving. It's, as the songwriter says, "'Tis mercy all, abundant and free." And that He sent His Son to me, completely undeserving. And then if you turn to Ephesians chapter 1, we'll be looking at a number of different Scriptures But Ephesians chapter 1, in this gift of Jesus Christ that we are totally undeserving of, in this gift, He gives forgiveness of sin. Verse 7, Ephesians chapter 1, in Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of His grace which He made to abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known to us the mystery of His will according to His good pleasure, which He purposed in Himself. Notice, we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sin. We are pardoned through the blood of Jesus Christ completely undeserving, living in rebellion against God, not eager for Him to help us, and yet He was willing to send His Son to pay the penalty for our sin and provide for us forgiveness of sin. The blessing, as the songwriter said, my sin, oh, the bliss of this glorious thought, my sin, not in part, but the whole, is nailed to his cross, and I bear it no more. That's forgiveness. And that's the message of, of Christmas, that because God is willing to give, there is forgiveness 
for anyone and everyone. There's no one out of the reach of God's grace. What a joy that is to rest in that. And this is what he gave to us, forgiveness. Turn to Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6. We don't have time to look at the the whole passage in Romans chapter 6. But in this gift of Jesus Christ, not only did we get forgiveness, but He also gives freedom from the bondage of sin. Notice verse 12 of Romans 6. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body that you should obey it in its lust. And do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under law but under grace. Because of the gift of Jesus Christ, we are not bound in sin... We are set free from the bondage of sin by the grace of God so that now we have an option. He says, don't let sin reign in your mortal bodies. Before Christ, the only thing that reigned in my life and your life was sin. We'd dress it up and make it look a little better than it really was, but it was still, we were under the rule of sin. But with the gift of Jesus Christ, the grace of God gives us spiritual life and we are, we're set free from the bondage of sin. And we have the privilege every day, every moment to no longer yield to the flesh, but to yield to the spirit. We are not bound to sin We are set free from the bondage of sin so that there can be victory in our lives. Set free from this bondage. It's incredible to me when we have been set free from the condemnation of sin and set free from the bondage of sin, that should cause us to have supreme joy and celebration. You recall the story of Esther, God raised her up to bring deliverance to the children of Israel when they were condemned. I find it interesting, when God had delivered them, it says in Esther chapter 9 and verse 22, for two days the Jews celebrated their deliverance with feasting and joy And sending presents to one another and gifts to the poor. That sounds like Christmas to me, doesn't it? They were set free from the bondage of a human foe. We are set free from the bondage of sin. We are forgiven from the condemnation of guilt. And if there was ever a time to celebrate and rejoice in the gift of God... It is now. This, there should be no bah humbug Christians. This is, this is it. There is no Christianity without this. 
And I am no longer a slave to sin. I do not have to obey sin because of Christ. This is the gift. This is what He has given to me. You've heard it often said by many other people that inside of every one of us is a God-sized hole that only God can meet. And that our spirit will never be at peace until it knows things are made right that God has granted us forgiveness through Jesus Christ and we have personalized it through faith in Jesus Christ. You can't put a definition on the fact that this gift is also a gift of peace. In this world, there are many trials, many dark days, many valleys, but in the midst of all of that, as a believer walking in the Spirit with Christ, we can have a peace that passes all understanding. In John 14, in verse 27, he said, My peace I give unto you, not as the world gives. Temporary peace. His peace is permanent. And he says, Be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. He invites us, then he says, Cast all your care upon me, and then the peace that passes all understanding. This is all involved in this gift, Jesus Christ. It's all involved in the babe in the manger, the Christ on the cross, the Christ of the resurrection, the Christ at the right hand of the Father. And because of that, he gives peace. We've mentioned forgiveness, freedom from the bondage of sin, the peace that passes all understanding. But turn to 1 John chapter 1, or excuse me, 1 John chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5. And notice verse 11. 1 John chapter 5 and verse 11. And this is the testimony that God has given us eternal life, and this life is in His Son. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. These things have I written unto you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. This gift of Jesus Christ gives assurance of eternal life, and it gives us a blessed hope that we can look forward to. He says, in Jesus Christ, He gave us eternal life. And I love how concise, and how it brings it down to the most basic point. If you have the Son, Jesus Christ, you have eternal life. 
If you do not have the Son, Jesus Christ, you do not have eternal life. And he said, I wrote these things not that, well, I hope I have the Son, and I think I have the Son. I wrote these things that you can know that you have everlasting life. I, I cannot imagine what it would be like to live this life not knowing that you have eternal life. I can't imagine what it's like to say goodbye to a loved one and not know that you and they have eternal life. This is all wrapped up in this gift. There are several of you that this last year have lost a loved one. There is no comfort, as you know, like knowing that they were in Christ. And despite the great loss that there is now, to know that someday we're going to see them again. And that's what we're celebrating. Eternal life, it's only through Jesus Christ and the blessed hope of His glorious appearing. We take it for granted, but He gives us assurance of eternal life and hope. Turn to John 16. This gift, I mean, I mentioned we're going to cover ten things, but we're not even beginning to scratch the surface. John 16, verse 5, But now I go away to him who sent me, and none of you ask me, Where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment Of sin, because they do not believe in me. Of righteousness, because I go to my Father and you see me no more. Of judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However, when he, the Spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears... He will speak, and He will tell you things to come. He will glorify Me, for He will take of what is Mine and declare it to you. The gift of Jesus Christ made possible that we receive as believers the Holy Spirit that dwells within us, that will be our personal teacher and guide us into truth, 
be our personal comforter, be our personal one that empowers us and gives us directions, and we are never left alone. The gift of the Spirit of God, it's not like Jesus left and we have to muddle our way through this life until we get to Him at the end. He has given us the Spirit of God. This is involved in the gift of Jesus Christ. And it is the Spirit of God that takes this book and makes it come alive in your life as you read it. It's the Spirit of God that gently prompts you to say something, to do something. It's the Spirit of God that convicts us of sin because He loves us. It's the Spirit of God that works in our life. And this is, if you please, the bonus of the gift of Jesus Christ. He said, I'm going to go, but I am leaving my Spirit with you. When's the last time you thank God for His indwelling Spirit? For the privilege to have Him personally, not not in a corporate manner, but He personally ministers. There is nothing like knowing the personal working of God in your life. The confirmation of God's Spirit at work in your life, the, the encouragement that it provides, the peace that it brings, He is the Comforter. But with Jesus Christ, we have the Spirit. And the Spirit empowers us and leads us so that we can enjoy the benefits of another blessing that we have in Christ, and that's that we have access to and fellowship with the Father. Turn to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. And verse 19, most of us can't comprehend the fullness of this, but let me read, Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he consecrated for us through the veil, that is his flesh, that's Jesus born in the flesh, And having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our faith without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Notice what he says. We are able to enter the holiest in the tabernacle, in the temple, was the holy place, the holiest of holy place, that the high priest could only enter once a year after complete sacrifices and cleansing and purifying 
and to go into the holy place. He says, now because Jesus Christ came, we, the veil was rent into, we have direct access to the Father, and we have fellowship with the Father, not once a year, but continually. So we take for granted. Let's pray. And we think, this is all because of Jesus Christ. Every time you say, let's thank God for our food, and we can go, Heavenly Father, this is all, be- that's what we're celebrating. We have access to the Father. And, and what a joy it is, not just access, fellowship with the Father. To sit down and to learn from the Father and be in His presence. And Isaiah said His name is called the Everlasting Father. In 1983, my father went home to be with the Lord. I'll pull a book down from the shelf that was my dad's and... He'd write often in the front of his book, see page 29, a great quote or something like that. And I, I'll pull a book down and I'll see that and I'll think, man, sure be nice if he was here. But you know what? No human father is an everlasting father. But God is the everlasting father. Some people have grown up without a father in their life. But God said, through Jesus Christ, I will be a father unto you. One of the major problems that we have in our society today is fatherlessness. but we have access to the Father through Jesus Christ. I mean, this makes all the difference in the world. And fellowship with the Father. The access to and fellowship with the Father. There are many times, undoubtedly, in the last year that you've thought, Wow, how dark can this world get? You were probably awakened, and rightfully so, by the satanic altar at the state capitol. How dark can our world get? We're remembering the gift of Jesus Christ that brought light to dark. And light always conquers darkness. And we rejoice in the light. And we walk in the light. And we fellowship with Him. He is the light of the world. And that's what we're celebrating. Number ten, He gives victory. I 
I love victory celebrations. I I love seeing that. Um, I love being a part of it. And we can look forward in Christ to the greatest victory celebration ever. Thanks, 1 Corinthians 15:57. Thanks be unto God for the victory in Jesus Christ. God is not dead, nor doth his, he sleep. The wrong will fail. The right prevail with peace on earth, goodwill to men. I, I used to, when we'd be watching a game at home, if it was on the radio, I'd listen to it on the radio, and the radio's ahead of the television. And... And it was fun for me at like five to seven seconds ahead. And it was fun to me if I heard this play turned out good, I'd just sit there like, and, and there, look at everybody else. Come on, come on. You know, and I, or if I knew it was bad, I prepared myself and I watched how it devastated them. As believers, there are many troubling things, but we know how it ends. We know the victory in Jesus. And that should give us a peace that passes all understanding. It should give us a hope. So as I said, I would like you to add to this list, but I'd like you to take time alone with God as a believer during this Christmas season and say, God, what an amazing gift you have given me, and to thank Him for these things. The spirit of Christmas is giving. We could go on and mention Mary gave her life and her all. Joseph gave up his reputation. The shepherds gave praise. The wise men gave gifts, but we're reminded, he said, freely you have received, freely give. So I want to make some quick application. Number one, God, through Jesus Christ, did all of this for us. But it's in vain if we have never given our soul to God. If we've never brought our vile, sinful, wretched soul and said, God, I need your forgiveness through Jesus Christ. It's not just believing that. Have you personally applied Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins? Have I exchanged my sin for His righteousness in Jesus Christ. Secondly, am I giving God control of my life? Submit, Romans 6, don't submit yourself to the inst- your instruments to the flesh, but submit yourself to God. Every day we can give a gift to God. Freely we have received 
Every day we can give many gifts. God, here I give you. You control my tongue. You control my thoughts. You control my life. Am I giving, and it's talking about us being the givers now, am I giving God my praise? Seriously, when's the last time you just went before God with praise, thanksgiving for who He is? So see, we've we've talked about God's giving to us. If we're a follower of Christ, we should be like Christ, so we should bear His characteristics of giving. So I ask this, do I give to the undeserving? You know, the the real test of that is when there's some people brought into your life that really are undeserving, are you willing to give to them? It's what Christ did for us. Do I give forgiveness? As I was thinking about this, I thought, Are we willing to bless others with forgiveness? And then I thought, really, it's blessing ourselves. By not forgiving someone else, it doesn't place a burden on them. It places a burden on my own heart. Am I willing to forgive? Well, not until... And we have this list of demands. Aren't you glad God didn't have that list? What, what a great Christmas gift it would be if you went before God and said, God, I'm giving this to you. I'm not going to dwell on it. I'm not going to be bitter about it. I'm giving. What a great gift it would be to provide forgiveness and see reconciliation. Another application, do I give generously and cheerfully? When's the last time you just gave to somebody? Not, oh, we don't need this anymore. You can have it. But you saw a need. That takes noticing others. You saw a need, had the ability, were able to give And to give generously and to give cheerfully. Most, you know, it's it's easy to complain about handouts for people and this and that. Most of us are not very good givers. And I'm not talking about giving at church. I'm just talking about giving of our time giving of our resources. We're, I was thinking about this, we're, we're getters and grabbers. You know what I'm saying? We see it in kids. You bring out a plate of cookies and immediately they're looking like, which one's the biggest? Do we have to wait till we pray for it? We don't? All right, you know, and they grab the biggest. Adults are a little more cultured about it. But to have the Spirit of Christ, the Spirit of Christmas, is to be a giver. 
that that's one of the things um, I think is so special about Christmas. We get so busy living that we don't express our love and appreciation to those nearest to us. And Christmas helps us to do that. But it is truly more blessed to give than to receive. But most important, the last application that I want to make is do I give the good news of the gospel of this great gift of Jesus Christ to others? The vast majority of people have no idea there is forgiveness of their sin. The vast majority of people have no idea they can have peace in their heart. The vast majority of people have no fellowship with the Father. They don't know the ministry of the Spirit in their own life. And God has freely given that to you and paid the ultimate sacrifice so that we could have that. And now we have the privilege to be his representatives. Is it just about getting God's grace and getting his peace and it's all about me? No, it's to know that so that we can help others. It's to know that so we can praise God by making our boast in the Lord, as the psalmist said. So the spirit of Christmas is giving. There still might be time for some of you to go get something to give to somebody yet. But it's not so much about now. It's learning to think like God thinks. And where can I see a need and how can I meet it? The spirit of giving. And the greatest gift we can give is the gift of Jesus Christ. Heavenly Father, I pray that we would be overwhelmed with the generosity of your giving. And Lord, I pray that we would celebrate the gift the greatest gift ever given, the gift of Jesus Christ. And Lord, that we would represent you well by bearing your characteristics of having a giving spirit. Lord, I pray that we would have a renewed awareness of the glorious gifts involved in your Son, Jesus Christ. And then, Lord, may we be yielded to you to be used of you to show your power and to bring others to trust you by manifesting your character and pointing people to you. 
What a rich privilege to be entrusted with the gospel. And so, Lord, we plead your mercies that we would be faithful to this great trust. And I pray if there are any here today that have never called upon you for the forgiveness of sins, Lord, I pray that this Christmas, today, they would receive the gift of Jesus Christ and in so doing, receive eternal life. May you be honored by our response to these truths today, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.